0: I oh, see. I just realized Parker's social security card is in the camera shot. That's not good.
1: Nice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Welcome to Making Luck, an identity theft podcast. An identity
1: theft podcast. Uh
0: my name is Jake.
1: My name is Wait. <laughs> uh-huh. Anyway, uh, so yeah, we're doing a podcast, but not today. Um, But we did do a podcast, and you have. And by
0: we, I mean Wandering Winter.
1: (laughs) Right. I mean, that's what I usually mean when we say we is Wandering Winter.
0: Yeah. Because we all all are, anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, I would really like to do a regular episode next time. That's what I would like to have happened this time, but uh, it's not going to work out uh, too much crap to do. And it's um, really hard for me to sleep, but uh, hopefully things will be better next week and we'll have some fresh content for you. Fresh of course, spelled P capital H R E S H.
1: Totally. The dollar sign in it. And <laughs> yeah, as always, uh, we have these mini soaps that we have, Uh, stocked up on, and there's the YouTube channel with uh, plenty of Dominion content coming in uh, from time to time, so uh, we will have a fresh supply of ground-up content to regurgitate into your mouth like the little baby birds you are, but in the meantime, uh, we have this pre-packaged Dominion content that you can enjoy just the same.
0: Yeah, uh, there are preservatives, but it's okay. Preservatives are fine. There's nothing wrong with that.
1: Yeah, it's science.
0: Science is great, and it's delicious. Yeah. Uh, This minisode is about card evaluation in money decks. So uh, what does that mean? I don't know if you can hear Parker. He's screaming upstairs. It's great. (laughs) So, uh, you know, we had the the episode on the money density paradigm that was uh, three minisodes ago. This is meant to follow that. It's uh, meant to build on that content and teach you like, how to play that well. Uh, you know, big money games happen in Dominion, and uh, being able to play them well will make you a better player.
1: Yeah, and big money is actually a fairly high-skill deck to play i think a lot of it gets a bad rap and people think it's boring and like you play it on autopilot yeah and then i
0: play those people in big money and i win like all the freaking time
1: right and that but it's weird because nobody really knows how to play money anymore it's kind of a lost art oh like the lost arts
0: isn't a money card yeah
1: right it's kind of a lost uh art money these days it seems like nobody really knows how to play it well there's a lot of misconceptions about what is and isn't good in money and and what money decks can and can't do and of course uh wandering winter came back on the scene recently and shot up the, the leaderboard and he's you know widely regarded as kind of a money expert but uh in general i think people need to get back to uh the money fundamentals the the money mentals yeah you can edit this out right
0: i can but i'm not gonna god damn <laughs> <it>. <laughs> anyway. Well, but anyway uh we appreciate your patience uh we're we're still alive although uh you know a little less sleep gotten something oh god <laughs> i need a nap <laughs>
1: yeah we're still alive as we ever were uh i'm I've been dead inside, but uh Adam
0: is half dead on the outside, so well you were um, dead inside before you even started this podcast, right?
1: Well, yeah, for the most part,
0: yeah, so like I mean that's really no change from the Jake you've all grown to know and love
1: right <laughs>
0: <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, we'll be back next week with something. Hopefully it's not another mini-sode, but hey, maybe it will be.
1: Yeah, we'll definitely do our best to get something recorded so we have a real episode and we get back on schedule. Uh, And by
0: we, he means just me, because really, (laughs) this is is my fault.
1: Well, you know, I mean, we can blame Parker. uh, Yeah, we can, actually. This this is is Parker's fault. This is something you can hold over his head until he's, like, you know, in his 20s, and he's neurotic, and... (laughs)
0: You know, he until he becomes b- until he becomes dominion world champion in what was it 2035 until that happens yeah, yeah i can hold this over his head that seems reasonable
1: sure i mean that won't affect him in any way it'll be great
0: you know you know how like you can ask toddlers like what their colors are and their shapes are and stuff and one of the things you can ask him is like what does the cat say what does the dog say and they'll tell you what noise that animal makes
2: I'm pretty uh, sure
0: I you. Yeah, it's great it's a lot of fun I, I'm i pretty sure that we're going to tell Parker that every animal says moo <laughs> what just does the to, kitty cat say? moo! just to <laughs> f- him <laughs> yeah he needs right. this in his life
1: yeah no, I know we need more parents like you <clears throat> so you that do. we end up with more kids who like Parker. don't Trust anybody,
0: but um, (laughs) no. Everything else I tell him is gonna be true, right? And that's important.
1: Yeah, so he'll never really know.
0: Yeah, I mean he'll find out eventually. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope you
2: enjoy this episode. Making luck minisode, minisode, Wandering winter back with another making luck minisode. We're talking about money. And today what we're going to be talking about in particular for the money deck is which cards you should get in a money deck. Um, And the very first thing to say about that is the biggest consideration, the biggest question that you need to ask yourself, the biggest question you need to answer in order to be able to answer what card should I get for my money deck right now is to figure out where you are in terms of points and the biggest thing there is you need to be able to figure out do I need to buy a green card now or do I need to buy a card that makes my deck better now Um, however this is such a large and important topic that there's actually another episode for that another mini-sode Um, so when you want to answer that part of the question go ahead and, and, and listen to that particular mini-sode. Um, but in this episode, this mini-sode, mini episode, I'm going to use them interchangeably. In this one, uh, we're going to be talking about in your deck uh, which is best for the deck's quality, um, which is not the same thing as it's best for what's best for its win percentage, right? Um, because the green card thing comes in for that. But in terms of measuring each card's impact on your deck quality? That's the kind of question that we're that we're trying to ask here. So points aren't going to come into that very much, although um, some amount of planning there is still going to be helpful. But for the most part we're just talking about, okay, right now what's what's the best card for my deck, Um, which is for the most part uh, how most of your games you should be trying to figure out what you want to get. Okay, so, uh, like we talked about in the first one of these mini-sodes, the biggest uh, determinator Determinator? Is that a word? Determining factor, I'm going to call it Determinator, uh, of your, your deck's quality is the money density itself. So, uh, you know, you have the total amount of money that your deck produces divided by the number of cards that's your money density multiplied by your five cards in your hand. Boom, that's the value of your average hand. There's some considerations for variance, but that's your money density, and that's the biggest determiner—determinator. I'm going to keep using that word, determinator, of your deck's quality uh, in, in a money deck. So, how do you determine what the money density of your deck is, and how do you determine, how do you use that to determine what the best thing for your deck is right now? Well, depends on what it is that you're adding. Let's start with treasures. And the baseline treasures are actually pretty easy to, to talk about. Uh, copper's always going to add one to your money when you're looking at the money density. It's right. It's the total money divided by the total number of cards. And so a copper's got always going to add one to that numerator, one to your money, and one to the denominator, one to your cards. It's going to pull you towards one, um, which for the vast majority of the game is bad, um, and so you don't want copper. Now It might look like at the beginning of the game adding a copper to your deck is good because your money density is only 0.7 and so 1 is greater than 0.7 and so it will increase your money density so you want it. And it is true that it will increase your money density and actually in the short term copper will make your deck stronger but that goes away so fast that it's almost never correct assuming that your goal is to eventually be able to make more money than a density of 1 would suggest. So if you need to make more than five at any point at all consistently uh, then copper is going to end up being a bad card for so much of the game that it's not worth the very small improvement it makes to your deck in the short run. Um, So sometimes, sometimes, sometimes it's okay to add copper, but that's usually when your overall game plan is to just being able to hit four and five a lot in that case, opening with the copper is usually just better than opening with nothing, obviously worse than opening with a silver so if you hit five two and your eventual goal is to just hit four and five and off a lot, you probably want the copper, otherwise you know let's say you want to hit province a lot, um the copper's not going to be good so copper easy usually don't get it, but you know if if the whole point of your deck is to hit four and five a lot because you're going for Duke or Silk Road, then it's, you know, marginally better than not getting it uh, in, in a lot of those cases. Silver is actually probably even easier. Um, it brings, it adds two to the numerator, adds one to the denominator, brings your money density towards two. In a practical game of a money game, that's always going to be better than the actual money density you're at. Um, so you just always add the silver. Um, something else to point out about treasures here. Is, I say you always add the silver. You always add the silver rather than nothing. It's always better than nothing. That doesn't mean it's always better than every alternative. Um, something else I should point about, out about all these treasures, though, is because they are adding to both the numerator and they're adding to the denominator, uh, what happens is this makes the effect of each addition. You're thickening your deck. It makes the effect of each additional card lessened. Um, so that's something to keep in mind based on you know, what other other considerations you have if you're going to be greening over a long period of time, you do want. And particularly with a lot of green cards, if you're going to have those in your deck, you're adding bad cards to your deck uh, for a long period of time. Through greening is the most normal way, but if your opponent's junking you, it can be similar. Being thicker is a good thing in that case. Um, however, uh, if for some reason there's some key card you need to play a lot, a, I don't know maybe you shouldn't be playing a money deck to start with, but b uh being thicker can be can be bad in that kind of a case so just just keep these things in mind uh that that adding a treasure to your deck does add one to that denominator and and the reason why I'm bringing that up will become more important later uh more apparent later I should say uh so so it is thickening your deck up so but anyway silver uh yeah, even if you're going for colony, or even if for some reason you have a money density greater than two, adding the silver to your deck is basically always still going to help because uh, that thickness for adding for buying colonies or provinces or whatever it is, like it's still it's still going to be helpful. And then gold, obviously, is just a very good card in all situations in money decks. Um, so yeah, um, so that's that's pretty simple. Um, okay. Next, let's move on to non-terminal actions. Non-terminal actions basically function exactly the same as treasures uh, in terms of if what they're producing is is money, just like a treasure. If you had an action card that was uh, plus an action, plus two money, and that was the whole card, but it was an action to start with, it takes an action to play, gives you the action back. So just like a treasure doesn't take an action, it's basically the same. Uh, unless you have some kind of terminal draw that it can be drawn dead or you have something that wants you to play actions like conspirator or something scrying pool something like that Um, effectively it's functionally the same card so that acts the same Um, terminal actions obviously you have to start to consider that they might collide with each other once you get more than one of them and so that is somewhat less good so effectively a terminal action you would you would measure the same as a non-terminal action, except insofar as they might collide. So you have to look at what is the chance that they actually collide on any given shuffle. Um, and this is not maybe quite so clear as it would seem, um, but basically you are going to draw them both on that shuffle. So if you have 15 cards and you have two terminals. I look at one terminal and then I'm going to have four other cards in the same hand as that terminal and there's one card uh, in your 14 that uh, that could be the other terminal. So you have a actually a 4 and 14 chance of, of those cards colliding effectively, right? Um, so okay, that is what it is and how many terminals you add is is kind of a complicated subject that I'm going to come back to later on in this very minisode. Um, but anyway that's terminals, non-terminals, that part of uh, of, of card evaluation is what it is. Um, but let's talk next about, uh, we've talked about money um, you know, the coins that it gives you, not the coin tokens, but the actual coin dollars, as, as Adam will often say. Um, we've talked about treasure, action, non-terminal, or terminal. Let's talk about the other big, biggest thing that a card can give you on a money deck, which is draw. And draw is actually fairly easy to calculate, uh, at least if it's non-terminal, once it gets to be terminal, it starts to get more complicated. but. But non-terminal draw is, is fairly easy to calculate in terms of what it does for your deck as well. Um, if you draw one card, if I'm just looking at it in terms of in my hand, I draw one card with my drawing card, that is going to give me, on average, the average money of a card in my deck. So if my money density apart from this card is one, then drawing a card is going to give me a value of, on average, one. Pretty simple. My average money density is 1.2, then drawing a card is going to give me 1.2. Now, um, obviously, if all the, if that's all it does, if you just have a cantrip that says plus a card plus an action, then you haven't changed the average quality of your deck at all um, by adding that card, if, if that's literally all it does. Now, they're not going to really add that card to the game, it's not in the game, they're not going to add it because it's just kind of too simple and boring. Um, but if you look at say a peddler, peddler is going to add one money because it gives you a money it's going to add a card to your hand which is going to be valued at the average value of a card in your deck and it gives you your action back so it's non-terminal. So if your money density is one, if your average money density is one, then a peddler is going to give you you know, one from the money it generates plus one from the card it draws, so that's going to be two. It's going to be equal in value on average to a silver. Once your money density gets above one, then the peddler is going to be better than the silver, because it's going to be giving you one money plus like 1.2 or whatever your money density is at that point. So it's it's going to be worth 2.2 or something, so peddler is going to be better than silver for most of the game, but here's where we were talking about earlier that always has the denominator that's thickening your deck effectively the peddler isn't thickening your deck right Um, and and that that gets to the other way that you can look at drawing cards is if you're looking at your deck as a whole uh, every card that you draw off of the card is subtracted off from that denominator so the peddler example if I was making 13 money and 13 cards because I'd added three silvers and now I'm adding a peddler to my deck. My money density is one um, and we know that what effectively you're doing then by adding a peddler to your deck is you're adding one to your numerator uh, because that's the amount of money that it generates. You don't don't get to add when you're looking at the whole deck as a whole. You don't get to add the, the card that it draws to the numerator and that in terms of its value, you actually subtract that off from the denominator. So you add 13 out of 13, Peddler gets you up to 14 on the numerator because it generates money by itself. In the denominator you've added a card so that's 14, but then you subtract the card back off because it draws a card. So in terms of net cards it's 0 for your deck as a whole. Um, And so you end up with a money density of 14 over 13 whereas if you would have added a silver, then you've added a a money density of 2 over 1, you're 15 over 14. It's almost exactly the same, but actually even already here you can see that the peddler's a little bit better. But if you look at that denominator, which is your effective deck thickness, the silver makes your deck thicker, whereas the peddler makes it thinner. So if, if your overall you're going to be adding more good cards than bad cards, across most of the rest of the game, then that's another mark in favor of the peddler. Whereas if your card quality is supposed to go down over the rest of the game, let's say you're about to start greening, then the silver uh, gets to be a a bigger potential impact. Though it's also worth noting just that um, making the deck smaller still generally increases your money density. So you have to weigh those things against each other. And you have to know, you know, to what extent am I actually going to be greening uh, over the course of this game? And so that's why that thing starts to come in more. Um, So that's an example with a peddler, or there's many variations on the peddler uh, that are very similar to it. Um, But we can also look at other kinds of cards to draw you more than one card. So if we take a look at laboratory, that does nothing for your numerator in your deck, and your denominator, what it does is you add one card because you've added the lab to your deck, but then you get to subtract two so basically, if you're looking at silver, peddler, lab, if peddler is better than silver, then lab is better than peddler. And if silver is better than peddler, then peddler is better than lab. Uh, and it's all down to, it's, it's, it's basically just uh, amplifying the difference, like peddler is halfway between a silver or an action version of a silver and, and, and a laboratory. Um, so so that's that's kind of the value there. You can calculate your average money density for your deck or the effect that it has on a turn, uh, as may be. So that's non-terminal draw. Terminal draw, um, terminal draw is something that's a little bit more complicated because it gives you the chance to draw things dead. Um, but if there is no chance of drawing things dead, let's say there's no other actions in your deck, then terminal draw works just the same way as non-terminal draw. And it's your money density, and you either get to subtract two from the denominator, if you're looking at it in the whole deck version of things, or you get to uh, take in a single turn, what you do is you say, "Okay, I'm going to have seven cards because once you've played your Smithy, say, uh, you started with five, you used one of them that was a Smithy, that's four, then you draw three more, you get seven cards in your hand times the average money density of all your non-Smithy cards. and that's going to give you wherever it is. Um, The thing is because you can draw action stead instead of being the money density of your deck like we're calculating, it has to be the treasure value density of your deck. So it's only the amount of money from treasures in the numerator and the denominator is total number of cards not net effective cards. So um, that's actually going to be you know somewhat worse worse off for you there. if you have other actions in your deck and you can see the effect of collision that way. So, um, so that's that's you know neglecting for a moment the, the fact that you could have had the two cards drawn in collision together at the beginning the, as your first five cards of your turn, um, which again we're gonna get to more later. Um, but basically you can see from that 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 terminal draw doesn't play very well with other actions at all and uh and so that's a big deal but in a big money smithy deck let's say smithy is my only action uh for most of the game your money density is going to be greater than one so smithy is actually going to be better than gold for most of the game uh it's just that say the second smithy is a lot worse than the first because there's that significant chance for either drawing things dead or having collision and so the other thing that you see is having higher valued treasures uh, is a bigger deal like that synergizes with having more draw to some extent so the smithy makes all of your treasures better because it can draw them the treasures make your smithy better because they're drawing you're drawing better cards so so they work with each other in that way um, the last thing to note with draw is you know for something like a smithy you're drawing up to seven cards in your hand there's a non-negligible, in fact a pretty good chance that in fact you're going to be wasting some money. And what do I mean by wasting money? Any time that you're generating more money on a turn than you're actually using on your buy phase, you've quote-unquote wasted money, and so you're not getting the most out of the that money density value in your deck. Now, having said that, you should still buy whatever the best card you can for your deck is, and don't worry about wasting the money at that point. What's done is done. But Smithy, because it makes you, it's effectively a higher variance card because you're drawing so much more of your buy power at once. The higher variance you are, the, most, the more likely you are to be wasting some of your money, um, and that means that even though you're, nominally your money density may be higher, if you're making 9, 10, 11 more often, that isn't actually making your deck better. And that's another part of the reason why uh, it's, it can be kind of easy to overestimate terminal draw, uh, particularly if you're drawing just like a, a lot of cards. You know, if I was driving drawing 10 cards, it would look like it's great for my money density, but with only one buy, that doesn't do much for me. Um, so, so that's kind of the, the, the basics of, of how to evaluate draw there. Um, and actually speaking of buy, let's look at that next. Most of the time in a money deck you have about five cards, your money density is low enough. Having plus buy doesn't help you very much at all Um, so the only way that it really does help, first of all the only way in general that it helps you is if you use it. So if for some reason you get to buy more than one card then it's helpful. However in a money density based deck it's usually better to have one good card than two mediocre cards. And the reason for that is, uh, like we talked about in the first episode, each card that you add is changing the money density of your deck by the difference between the value of that card and the average card in your deck right now. So let's say you're talking about either buying two silvers or one gold. Buying two silvers is going to increase your money density by the difference between two and your current money density. And it's going to do that twice, technically, because after you've added the first one, your current money density changes a little bit, the number of cards in your deck changes. Uh, and because you you see each card, you know, some fractional time, you see each card less. Basically, that difference is probably going to be relatively small. So in a money deck... Uh, your money density tends to be about 1.2, 1.3, 1.4, somewhere in that range. So you're looking at a difference of 0.6 to 0.8 or something. You multiply that twice, and that's a little more than 1. However, if you're adding a gold to your deck, that's a density of 3, and the difference between 3 and 1.2, 1.3, 1.4 is, you know, uh, not a huge amount more, but significantly more. Um, Now, adding 2 silvers does make your deck thicker than adding a gold does. But in general, you know, the the gold is just better usually unless for some reason you need a very, very thick deck. Um, so keep that in mind. Um, but you can also add this to, to other cards. Um, the effect of adding, you know, two medium cards is usually just worse for this kind of a deck than adding one good card. Um, because the medium cards usually aren 't that much better than silver, and the good cards can be, but in particular the the good cards that are good for this kind of deck uh are usually not all that cheap, and so by the time you can add more than one of them to your deck uh it 's very rare that you can 't get you know some very very good card like a province or something um you know a five and a three sometimes, occasionally, is going to be better than a province. Uh, and so the plus buy isn't completely valueless, and, you know, it can help a little bit in points at the end. You know, I, need, I can buy a duchy and an estate instead of just a duchy. I can get a province and an estate. I can, you know, it's right before I want to start greening, and so this 5 and a 3 is a little bit better than getting a province. This comes up, but it's usually quite marginal, um, with a few exceptions of cheap cards that are very good to get a lot of Um, and that's the other important thing about the plus buy is that you need to actually want multiple copies of such a card so usually it means you're not gonna want to get plus buy in order to get extra copies of say terminal actions because you're gonna run out of terminal action space so that's not a good sign for plus buy Uh, similar thing with gainers um, which we'll get to a little bit more in a second but uh the main exception that i can think of is is a card like fool's gold where if you get a lot of them it's very 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 good for you um there may be some a few other uh good cheap cards that uh are good to have a lot of but in general most of the cheap cards are just far too low impact or they're terminal for you to really want a lot of them and so the value of plus buy therefore in in a money density deck is is pretty small um better than nothing, better than not having it, but it's, it's quite a small bonus to have. Um, okay, next, let's talk about gainers, since that's very similar to Plus Buy. Gainers, it really depends on what you're gaining. Uh, you know, if it's a gainer that can gain a five every time that it's being played, and the five is really good, and you want a lot of it, so it's gaining you a laboratory every time or something, then that can be pretty decent. Um, but if it's gaining you, most of the gainers are limited to threes or fours, and usually the best spammable three or four is very often silver. And while silver is always a good card for your deck, it's very often not a great card for your deck. Um, and importantly, um, it takes you a long time to get back the value that you gain from... from let's let's talk about like a, a card like Workshop or ironworks or something, but but workshop is the cleanest example here. It's a gainer, it can let's say it's just gaining you a silver every time. Bureaucrat works similarly. Um, so the workshop gains me a silver, and that's going to increase my money density. But to get the workshop in the first place, it could have been a silver. And so you're down on money density from having the workshop, and then once you add a silver, one silver from the workshop, you're still down on money density, basically. Because you've added two money to your deck, but you've added two cards instead of one. You could have added silver and then maybe a better card because of the silver that was in my deck. I could have bought a better card on the turn that I played the workshop, right? Then I play it again, and now I have two silvers, and instead I would have had one and maybe a better card. And it's very similar to the plus buy case. Um... It's generally just not as good as having the money to be able to turn, you know, an extra silver buy into a gold buy or something. Um, It's also very slow because you have to buy the workshop, gain the workshop, draw the workshop, gain the silver, then on the next shuffle you get to play the silver versus you're you're over like a full shuffle behind, basically, uh, with the gainer. Um, And that's for every successive silver that you gain. So it's slow, which m- most money decks don't want to be because they want to be fast, and that's their big advantage. Um, it does thicken you up a lot. Uh, so this, this is the best part about gainers. Um, they thicken you up a lot, and they do, over time, really bring your money closer to that point of you know, your deck being whatever it is, the card that you're gaining. So, again, unless there's a really good card that you can be gaining that a lot of that's, you know, has an outsized value that's significantly better than the silver in large quantities, the gainer is usually not that good unless for some reason you need a very, very thick deck that's going to go for a long time. So, again, if you're going for one of these sloggy kind of strategies where you're going for Duke or Silk Road, uh, then the gainer's going to be better. Um, Silk Road or Gardens in particular. Eventually, you can you can turn it into gaining points too, um, and so that's a little bit out of the paradigm of money because money is about money deck is about buying things, but but it can have that that kind of application as well. But in general, for a money deck that's trying to buy its stuff, uh, the gainers are pretty mediocre, just like the plus buy is. Attacks is where I want to go next, and the thing with attacks is it actually they are more based on who's being attacked the quality of their deck than the quality of the attacker so like we talked about before a discard attack is going to be great for you if your opponent is also going for money if they're going for something where they're drawing a lot of stuff and their deck is very redundant and they're drawing a lot of stuff so that the two cards initially doesn't matter that much then the discard attack is going to be weaker but that has little to do with your deck and a lot more to do with your opponent's deck Um, you know, junking can they thin it back out or not Well, that depends on what they're doing. Um, So, in general, attacks are are more based on what your opponent is doing than what you're doing, and so you need to evaluate them accordingly. Thinning. Thinning is uh, actually a very interesting thing to talk about here. Uh, Thinning can help your money density. Um, If you're removing a card that has worse money density than your average card in your deck, you're removing a below-average card from your deck, it actually helps you in a money deck, um, the more below average the card that you're removing is, the better the removing gets. So if you remove in a state, that's a little bit worse than adding a silver at the very beginning of the game. Uh, through most of the game, it's a tiny bit better, but it's very close in quality. Um, but like gainers, it's a little bit slower. It takes an extra shuffle to, to take its effect. Uh, removing a copper from your deck for most of the game is going to improve your deck but that's going to be very marginal improvement because you only have three estates to start with and you have seven coppers. um, Usually going for a thinning card is not that great in a money deck Um, but in particular going for a thinning card that doesn't give you any economic benefit itself and especially going for multiple such thinning cards uh, is going to be bad and because of this delayed effect if you are going to get a thinning card you usually want to get it as soon as possible however if the thinning card is your first thinning card and you can selectively trash estates with it and it does give you some economic benefit then it can actually be a pretty good card so one junk dealer one upgrade one century all of these kinds of cards at the beginning of the game can actually be quite good for a money deck um but the second one drops off a lot in value uh in money decks um and mass trashing mass mass thinning where you're thinning uh you know many cards at once usually is going to lead you towards uh more often than not wanting to play a different kind of deck other than money um because just the extra effect of thinning multiple cards quickly quickly loses its value in a money deck um the other thing is of course. The more you thin your deck, then your deck is thinner and it's less resilient to green, um, which is usually because a money deck has to buy its green cards one at a time over time, uh, that not being resilient to green is not a great place to be in a money deck. So a little bit of thinning, particularly if it has economic benefits attached to the card, is good for a money deck. Um, not, Not generally like, oh my gosh, the greatest thing ever, but pretty good um but there's really diminishing returns because once those estates are gone uh the value of trashing a copper is positive but quite small um what's the next thing that we want to talk about um terminals yeah so so I talked about this uh I alluded to this a little bit before but how many terminals should you get for a, for your for your money deck And that's a a really hard question to answer, because a lot depends on the the terminals in question. Which terminal do you actually want to get? Is a question that you need to think about in terms of shuffles, because other than the game ending or piles running out, as we know, uh, those are the exceptions to the general rule of time and dominion is measured in shuffles. So, like I talked about in the first money minisode, you want to think okay what terminals do I want to have, do I want to get this shuffle, and what is my money distribution likely to be for the rest of the shuffle, but in order to know how many terminals you want you need to you need to know the quality of terminals and to know how bad a collision is compared to um, the upside of the terminal, uh, the benefit that the terminal gives you. So this a lot comes down to effective deck size, and generally speaking the effective deck size that you're getting into how many terminals you have if you look at your the number of terminals in your deck divided by your effective deck size your terminal ratio as you will usually you want that to be somewhere around one in five cards as a terminal at the very high end um, all the way down to maybe one in ten cards as a terminal Usually there's going to be some terminal that has an effect that's going to be good enough that you want maybe one in seven, one in, yeah, probably around one in seven effective cards in your deck as a terminal is roughly the average. The better the terminal is, you want a little bit more maybe. The worse it is, you want a little bit less. Um, But you do have to keep in mind, you know, what else is going on. If you're going to get junked a lot, then having more terminals can be better. Uh, If you're getting... Uh, just because, you know, the effective size of your deck is going to be increasing more. Um, if you are uh, getting discard attacked, then that's going to mitigate some of your collection, uh, collision problems. Um, but the the value of the terminal in question is is extremely important. So if you're giving out a curse with that, you know, if you had a plus two money, give out a curse terminal, then that's, until the curses are out, that's really good and you can you can stomach a lot of collisions because that effect is so good. Uh, If it's something like a woodcutter where it's just giving you a plus buy, I'm almost never going to want to get the second one because the plus buy is such little upside. So you really have to be able to measure, okay, what is the uh, effect of this terminal going to give me um, in compared to not having it, and of course, opportunity cost. What is the alternative that I could be getting? How much better than the best non-terminal option for me? is this terminal? And that's really the question that you have to answer. Um, Because usually, even at one in in five effective cards in your deck, adding the terminal usually helps your deck. Uh, It's just that it it helps it less than adding the best non-terminal or treasure option. Uh, But to know exactly how how much collision you can stomach uh, requires either some experience or some general knowledge of how good things are as well as a a, an understanding of the matchup so that actually gets to be quite a high-level thing Um, but because you want to avoid collision this is often why uh, having good non-terminal options at each price point really helps you out Um, I guess the last point um, well let me finish my previous thought knowing a a general ranking of which terminals are better than others and by how much uh, is is something that uh, is just very helpful. In this case, Um, I used to have that knowledge down very well back when I knew what all the cards did. Um, Because you know, you you either play or test or do something to have a general idea of how that works out. Um, And then the actual last point I wanna make is that there are some terminals that help you to mitigate the downside of collision, Um, So if you're talking about something like courtyard or gear where you're, yes, you're drawing cards and you can draw cards dead, and so that's bad, but there is an automatic way to mitigate that, so that's very good, and in particular with those cards, it helps you smooth your draws so that you don't uh, quote-unquote waste money like I talked about earlier, and that's actually quite a significant, uh, that kind of sifting or smoothing really more in this case. Uh, can be pretty good for big money too, for for a money deck because uh, there is card to card uh, fairly significant variance and and so making sure that it lines up in the best way possible is is something that that should really be valued. Um, anyway, that that about does it in terms of card value or, and and selecting what card to get. Um, like I said in the previous episode, it's mostly about what card is going to be best for my next shuffle, um, with some eye of knowing, you know, how long the game is. And like I said at the top of this show, knowing, knowing what your greening paradigm in terms of winning the game is going to be really important. Uh, so do keep that other episode in mind when you're thinking about this. Uh, but for now, this is Wandering Winder, signing off with another Making Luck mini
0: Oh you have no idea how tired I am
1: I mean, I might have some idea uh
0: yeah, I guess you might Ugh. you know
1: how's the how's
0: baby adam <sighs> <sighs> Um, he's uh he's doing great he's doing great uh it's it's us we need to worry about
1: gotcha.